0: Today, I'm talking to Bob Redding, ASA's Washington representative, about what's going on in D.C. Hey, Bob, thanks for joining the show. Thank you, Tony. I've been looking forward to this. this Yeah, this should be fun. This is your first podcast with us. There will be others. So let's dive right in. You know, our members have been very concerned about new vehicle technologies and access to the data to repair these vehicles. What's going on on Capitol Hill, the administration and the states relative to vehicle data access?
1: Well, as you know, this will be Capitol Hill's second bite of the apple relative to, first, what we saw after the post-90 Clean Air Act Amendment, service information, and now data access. So there are some members and staff, particularly in the the committee process, that do have some memory of the early service information debate. As you're aware that uh, ASA signed an agreement in 2002 with the OEMs. That assured independent repairs access to service, tool, and training information. This is very important. Later on in Massachusetts, there was an MOU signed with the aftermarket, and here we are today. Now, what's what's really driving all of this with these new technologies, these new vehicle technologies? Not all autonomous vehicle technologies, but others. Many of our repairers, particularly on the collision side, are seeing these vehicles today. And there's concern in the industry about what's the path forward for independent repairers and technicians to have access to the data necessary to repair our customers' vehicles. What's that path? Third-party providers, OEM websites, the cloud, other processes. So ASA has joined several organizations, coalitions, to work on these issues. We're in uh, aftermarket coalitions, uh, coalitions with uh, OEMs and other groups, car rental companies, insurance companies. U.S. Data Coalition is a very active coalition on Capitol Hill, along with the Coalition for Future Mobility, and then, as I mentioned, aftermarket and international groups, so we can keep up what's going on in other countries, particularly the European Union. To date, OEMs have not provided an industry policy path uh, as far as where we're headed with data access for independent repairs. We continue to work with them and, and talk to them. And as you're aware, uh, ASA had this year, this September in Troy, Michigan, we co-hosted a technology and telematics forum with the Alliance of Automobile Manufacturers. This is our sixth program, Tony, and you've been involved in all of those. Mm-hmm. Well-attended, good program. Talking about what's coming ahead, not just from the OEs and other manufacturers, but also from regulators. And this year we had back from several years ago Debbie Bazina, who runs the Connected Car Program at the University of Michigan, which is uh, one of the premier research and connected car implementation facilities in the uh, nation and we felt like our repair community on surveys uh, post program, they got a lot out of the program. So the key here is for us to bring the latest information on what's coming to our repair community, to our members, but also to discuss how we address these new technologies in our small businesses. How do we get the data? How do we access it? What's going to be the path? How much is it going to cost? How will business model change? what kind of training will I need, and is, there an, is will there be access to the training that I need? So ASA is uh, committed to providing that for our members, in addition to being advocates for assuring their, uh, there is a path for data access. Specifically on Capitol Hill, we've been meeting for several years now with members of the House and Senate and the administration, talking to them about these new technologies, and that we wanted them educated about what's coming forward relative to our needs as independent repairs and what some of the issues that uh, might be forthcoming. We saw a precursor to this was in the last 115th Congress. We had an autonomous vehicle research and implementation bill pass the House overwhelmingly, pass the Senate Commerce Committee, and then stall. We were able to add language to the bill in the Senate that said before any of this goes forward as far as implementation, that there would be a stakeholder committee established at the National Highway Safety Traffic Administration in coordination with the Federal Trade Commission this stakeholder committee of independent repairers and other aftermarket brothers as well as the car dealers the car rental companies insurers etc and the OE's would work together to determine a path forward on data access that bill never made it to the floor of the Senate so we're right back to square one and this year Actually, this month, month of October, the Senate Commerce Committee and the House Energy and Commerce Committee are working together to try and come up with another autonomous vehicle bill. And we will submit comments to them. We've already done that twice. We'll do it again and let them know what we think should be in that bill. Critical for our efforts. Previously, we only were looking at autonomous vehicle legislation. Now we have privacy legislation, potential for data access legislation, in addition to the AV or autonomous vehicle legislation at the federal level. At the state level, we have a a second-generation Massachusetts right to repair bill that addresses the telematics or new technology issues. We also have a uh, ballot initiative, similar to what we had several years ago in Massachusetts, that will be uh, likely on the ballot in 2020, the, the November ballot. So all of these things are working parallel with each other. But clearly the best path forward for independent repairers is an industry agreement similar to what we did in uh, 2002 where automakers and other manufacturers, rideshare companies, uh, et cetera, come together and determine how best we can make this work for the aftermarket. Uh, we're not there yet. A 50 state footprint of laws and regulations will be difficult to administer for the OEMs. But also, with an increasing number of independent repairers owning shops in other states, multi shop organizations, it will be difficult for us to train and to be educated about uh, 50 different sets of laws regulating how we get data and privacy and cybersecurity. As a follow up to that, two other points I want to make on this issue, Tony. One has to do with the administration, the Obama administration, first, later couple of times with the Trump administration, both have given guidelines to the auto industry and the states and localities, municipalities that kind of set out federal policymakers. This is your zone, federal re- regulators. And for state regulators and local regulators, this is your zone. These are the issues that you should deal with. All of these are guidelines. We still don't have a federal regulation. We still don't have a federal law. And until we do, we can only hold out hope for an industry agreement, or in case we have a 50-state agreement, I think you're going to see more and more states taking a hard look at, we're going to have to address this because the federal government has not. Finally, in Australia, we've already seen a, uh, a mandatory data sharing law been proposed, and these kind of things are imperfect. You always want to have an industry agreement first, but if it doesn't work, you really don't have a lot of options, and we're at a pivotal point in the U.S. auto repair industry about where is this headed. At the end of the day, we have to have access to data to repair these vehicles. We don't make cars. We don't make parts for ASA members, but all of this is of importance to us and our members and to, uh, to others. We want to see a competitive parts marketplace. So there needs to be a path forward. Hopefully, you can find an industry agreement, but if not, then I think you're going to see uh, multiple legislative initiatives.
0: Mm. You mentioned the TTF Forum. I'm familiar with it, and I, and I heard it was quite a success this year, but I think you had some car manufacturers involved. Did they give any indication, or did you see any kind of examples or a glimmer of what they might be thinking about as far as a model goes that the industry can participate in, as you described? It's a very good question. They were very clear that
1: there are processes that exist today that provide information either via their websites, the OE websites or third-party providers, et cetera, for our members' independent repairers. The comments were very general, but they were clear there will be processes tomorrow What we want to make sure of is that those processes are not uh, burdensome from a financial perspective or a technology perspective to our members. It's not made so difficult and so onerous, so time-consuming, so expensive that it hurts our businesses. So we want to be watchful of that. We continue to talk to the OEs and exchange information, and we uh, work closely with them on a lot of matters in addition to to the forum we held in Troy, we hold every year. And we will continue to do so.
0: Hmm. Any, uh, any feel, uh, and I know it's, it's a tough call at this point in time, any feel for what sort of timeline we might be looking at as far as seeing something in more definitive coming out of the federal government?
1: Well, I will tell you, we need privacy and autonomous vehicle legislation now. Nothing should pass that does not address data access. If we can't have a separate, independent, standalone data access bill, these other bills should address it. So, in my opinion, we either have vehicle data access included in bills being considered, talked about hearings there have been lots of hearings on cybersecurity and privacy, numerous AV hearings uh, last Congress, some in this Congress i don't see a bill moving forward unless the drafts, final drafts where the bills introduced address the data access issue, and others there are others like preemption what powers should states and uh, municipalities have, you know, as I mentioned earlier. So in this environment, you know, we got a lot going on in the Congress now. The impeachment vote was today and the Senate will have their bite at the apple. This is going to be very time consuming, very Hmm. contentious. Uh, And we have other issues that uh, we have an immigration bill that's now, uh, that was introduced uh, today in the House that will be uh, contentious. So, uh, a lot going on. I'm not convinced we'll see a bill pass by the end of next year at the federal level, but uh, I know that we will see some bills introduced.
0: Hmm. Well, again, nothing happens quickly, I know, but it sounds like there's a lot of distractions going on as well. I, I know ASA has spent a great deal of time. We've often talked about periodic motor vehicle inspections. Tell me a little bit about the state of vehicle inspections. Where are we on all that? Is there a future for vehicle safety checks?
1: Well, Tony, um, you know, sometimes this is a depressing issue. We've been on a slow bleed for many years. We're down to 15 state programs. We have some very good programs out there, but continue to tax on the state programs. Some of this sparked post 90 cleaner act amendments when we established all, a lot of uh, emissions, state uh, emissions inspection programs and there were some hiccups there you know ping pong effect long lines and all of a sudden the adversaries for emissions on started attacking safety programs so we're down to 15 programs we've lost mississippi dc new jersey and others some weakened programs like missouri but on a positive note this is very important Some states have reached out in the recent year or so about improving or adding programs where they don't have a program and we're in the earliest stages of this process. That's really all I can say about that. We had very positive Texas study on vehicle and safety inspection, and that study's out and is being used across the country. Various policymakers. Pennsylvania had a great study, and I know in some of the coalitions that we're involved in that we are moving forward with additional studies with more specific questions. Two things I would like to mention here relative to the positive side of protecting and advancing these programs: the coalitions are becoming broader in support of these programs than in recent years. For many years, it was uh, ASA, a few members of the aftermarket, car dealers, and law enforcement. What we're seeing now, a broader part of the automotive uh, aftermarket involved, much broader. More consumer interest, and, and particularly more state government interests from motor vehicle administrators, as, as well as uh, broader in the law enforcement area, uh, local and state. So this is an area that uh, we want to see these programs grow. Now, during last Congre- 115 Congress's debate of autonomous vehicle legislation, one of the issues brought up in the Senate was relative to one particular state, we don't want these cars, autonomous vehicles, in our state Without some type of state vehicle safety inspection program that who 's going to look at these cars if people don 't own them, they are literally like rideshare who 's responsible for checking the tires who 's responsible for making sure that the crack in the glass is not dangerous headlight out all the things that uh, we know in the, the vehicle inspection space are critically important bad brakes who is responsible who is going to make sure, and I don't mean necessarily from a liability perspective, but who is going to be proactive in looking at that vehicle, particularly in a state, pick a state that doesn't have a program. Even upon resale of the vehicle, they don't have a program. Who's responsible making sure that those ball tires don't end up causing some horrific accident or the brakes go bad, et cetera? So that uh, that is something that's being talked about more here in Washington. And we hope will be a critical piece of any AV program implementation uh, in the
0: states. Well, that certainly makes a lot of sense. You know, I originally grew up in Pennsylvania. They've had one of the best inspection programs, I think, in the the country. And I've never quite understood why there's so much resistance to having safety checks on the vast majority of, of vehicles that are out there on the roads when we find it perfectly logical to do the same thing for heavy trucks and airplanes and other things, you know, that, that carry human life basically in them. But, uh, but you know, it, it, what the point you made about the AV vehicles was a great one. I think that may be something that will spur a lot of thought and conversation on this issue. You and I are gonna to have to revisit this a little bit later. But, you know, you you mentioned two things. One was Pennsylvania and the other one was emissions. And uh, while we're on the topic of inspection, I know Pennsylvania has had a lot going on with emissions inspection lately. What's that all about? What have you heard? Well, it's
1: very frustrating. Uh, In the Pennsylvania State Senate, we had about four bills introduced and rushed through committee and the floor without uh, significant stakeholder involvement or any gap for bill introduction committee passage and floor passage so the opportunity for these bills that literally gutted or diluted significantly Pennsylvania's emissions on M program stakeholders like ASA and independent repairs technicians uh, consumers did not have the opportunity that you normally would have with this kind of very important legislation to give input so we've had a pause now these bills have passed the state Senate They're now in committee in the State House, and it seems to be that Pennsylvania Senate Bill 742 seems to be rising to the top as the bill that may, I'll emphasize that word, may be considered in uh, the State Senate. ASA opposes that bill. We've been active, our grassroots there, our affiliate is very active on this issue, and uh, we have a number of members that have sent letters to the legislature in opposition. And this is a bad bill. It's bad for consumers. It's bad for air quality. And it's bad for small businesses. Our members have invested a lot of money in equipment and training. And we we don't want to see this program go away. It's a, a good program. There was a reason it was established back in the 90s with uh, post-1990 uh, Clean Air Act amendments to the states established them. And we think this is bad public policy and we oppose it. So, We really want to make sure that not only our members, technicians, but also their customers, let Pennsylvania House members know that the Senate passed a series of bad bills to eliminate or or kill these programs, and uh, we want to uh, make sure these uh, bills die in the House.
0: Well, that's certainly something uh, ASA has been doing since its inception, and you obviously pay a large part in the advocacy of it. I think that's one of the most important values that the um, association provides for its members. In many ways, I think you, you, we're the only ones that are noticing this and trying to do something about it uh, out there. Bob, this has always been enlightening. Anything you want to share? We're running low on time here. but Anything else we need to know about? You've been a fountain of information today.
1: Well, thanks so much, Tony. I want to bring up one other issue just briefly. Some of you may have uh, read in the news that Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer of New York State has acknowledged that he is developing uh, drafting legislation, has not indicated when he would introduce it, that would move us away from all, all, gas-powered vehicles, and move to electric vehicles or zero-emission vehicles by 2040. Whether this would be next year or in the the 117th Congress in January of 21, uh, we don't know that for sure yet. Important to note, some might say this cash for clunkers program, we're going to pay you to take your vehicle out of the marketplace, your gas-powered vehicle out of the marketplace, and help you buy a new vehicle. Some may not recall, I believe it was uh, maybe a decade ago that we saw the same thing, this cash for clunkers bill with the uh, Obama administration. This bill took older cars, paid people to junk them, and supposedly give them enough money to go buy a new car. ASA opposed that program. We were able to stop it from getting too broad, too expansive, but the program was established. It was a bad policy then. It was based on a policy that was proposed by a Princeton, uh, New Jersey economics professor who had pushed this, who had a uh, former member of the Clinton administration, had encouraged this. The Obama administration picked it up and implemented it, but it's a bad policy. We don't want to see it come back. We had a number of our members that were hit very hard by this. Their business model was weighted toward the targeted vehicles to move from the marketplace, and uh, they lost customers. And that is a, a very scary thing. We already have incentive programs, consumers, and OEs to move to electric vehicles, to buy electric vehicles. As you know, Tony, several years ago, a year or so ago, the OEs contacted a lot of the states that have accelerated these programs uh, wanting to know why people weren't buying more of these cars in those in those states. So. This is a, a bill that we'll oppose. It's expensive, it's bad policy, and and we don't
0: want to see it happen. I remember the last catch for clunkers actually, and it was heavily opposed, as I recall, by the by the aftermarket, particularly the SEMA folks. Uh, in fact, I think they just got some legislation. Well, actually, they just got them to to activate the legislation that was passed that would allow the um, uh, racers to right. modify their vehicles without right. regard to emission laws, just for track usage that had passed. I believe, yeah, yeah, okay. Well, again, Bob, I want to thank you for your time today. We definitely have to do this again. You got to promise to come back.
1: Absolutely. I look forward to it.
0: Sounds great. And again, uh, you've been listening to the ASA podcast. We hope you've enjoyed our time here with Bob Redding, our ASA Washington representative, uh, watching out for your interests in D.C. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye.